is in a world where the very mention of virus or mandates or politics can tense you up, can get you depressed, can rock your peace, is it the name of Jesus that brings it back again? I hope it is. I hope that when you say his name, everything that it represents comes to full fruition. Do you hear what I'm saying, church? That you realize that in the name of Jesus, our past is cleared, our future is blessed, and we are saved. That we can have peace, not from the storm, but in the storm. We can have power in our weakness. We can be who he called us to be in spite of all evidence to the contrary. Say it with me one more time on three. One, two, three. Jesus. Jesus. Mm. One of my favorite songs. I can probably just listen to it on repeat over and over and over again. Because I'm going to tell you the truth. Life can even get pastors down. And when it does, it's the name of Jesus that brings me back around. We have been walking together through the journeys of Paul, his life. The series is entitled, The Long and Winding Road. And we have discovered that though when we first came to Christ, many of us thought, well, now I'm baptized. I've got all this great emotion and feeling in me. It's going to be clear sailing from here on out. That wasn't quite the case, was it? We realized that the road was full of ups and downs, stumbles and falls, mountains to climb and valleys to get lost in. But we also realized that as long as we were walking the road with Jesus, we were right where we needed to be. That every mountain, every valley, every stumble, every fall brought us closer to the purpose that he had for us, strengthened us in the mercy and grace that he imbues upon us and made us better witnesses for the world around us. Can I get an amen? We are now. Well, before we get to today's part, I got a little story. Uh, it is fictional. And um, bear with me for the brevity and uh, lev levity of it. Um, but a man who had, um, a woman had got divorced from her husband. And uh, she was still very bitter. And so God wanted to teach her um, mercy and some grace. And so he says, listen, he sends the angel down. And the angel comes and says, fear not, for I am um, with you. I have some good news. Uh, God has chosen to grant three wishes for you. And she says, that's amazing, you know, because my husband left me. He's all, well, that's the thing. You have been so focused on your husband and your ex and what he did to you that um, these blessings are here to help you grow and see that you can move on from him. And so here's the thing. For everything that I give you, he gets two of. Double that. And she's like, okay. So what would you like first? 
She thinks about it. And she says, well, first, I'd like a billion dollars. And he's all, you look in your bank account today, you will see that you have a billion dollars, and your ex now has two billion dollars. Okay? So I would like a house in Hawaii. It's all, it's already bought and paid for. Escrow signed in your name. Your husband now has two houses in Hawaii. And he's all, and for your third wish, what would you like? She's all, I would like you to beat me half to death. Some of you will get when you get home. Breakups can be hard. They can be difficult. We want to talk about one of the big ones today. And often in a breakup, like the woman in the story, we are looking for who the bad guy is. Today's sermon is entitled The Long and Winding Road 5, but who's the bad guy? But who's the bad guy? <sighs> to get some understanding, turn with me to Acts the ninth chapter before we get to our main verse, which will be Acts the 15th chapter. But Acts the ninth chapter, and we want to go to the 26th verse. See, and those of you who have been here with this series, you kind of know the story. Paul was present at the murder of Stephen, but he is converted by Jesus Christ on his way down to persecute more Christians. The minute Paul gets converted, he walks right into the synagogue and starts preaching the name of Jesus. Now the Jews in the synagogue were like, wait a minute, wasn't this guy here to help us beat up all those Christians? And the Christians who were in the synagogue were like, wait, isn't this the guy that came down to beat us up? And both were a little freaked out. Okay, after that, Paul tries to go into Jerusalem to meet with the disciples. Say, hey guys, I'm one of you. Good news. And disciples aren't having any of it. And this is where we find Paul in the um, ninth chapter and the 26th verse. 9.26. I don't need glasses. You do. When he came to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him, not believing that he was really a disciple. But Barnabas. Somebody say Barnabas. Barnabas. Barnabas at this time was like OG Christian. Okay? There were the 12, and then everybody that came to them afterwards, Barnabas was one of those guys. He was one of the first people to sell a partial of his land and give the money to the disciples to help everybody else. His name wasn't really Barnabas. He wasn't born Barnabas. He was born Joseph. But all the disciples said, this guy is so amazing, we're going to call him Barnabas, which means son of encouragement. Wherever he went, he encouraged them, and they felt better. He uplifted and supported the church. He was their dude. And so Barnabas Here's that Paul has come down, and nobody will accept him because of his past. And so Barnabas goes forth, there in uh, verse 26, 27. But Barnabas took him, Paul, and brought him to the apostles. He told them how Saul on his journey had seen the Lord. Somebody say, I've seen the Lord. And that the Lord had spoken to him. And how in Damascus he had preached fearlessly in the name of Jesus. So Paul stayed with them and moved about freely in Jerusalem, speaking boldly the name of the Lord. All because Barnabas stood up for him. Now, a few years later, Paul and Barnabas have become partners. They're like peanut butter and jelly, okay? Batman and Robin, Shaq and Kobe. You don't think about one without thinking about the other one, right? They are 
like the superstar team, okay? Like your favorite singing groups of all time. They are perfect harmony together. Paul brings the speaking. Barnabas brings the healing and the encouragement, and they are amazing. But, but, there's verse 15, chapter 15. In chapter 15 and verse 36, we find them. Sometime later, Paul and Barnabas, these guys who have gone to all these churches, started churches all over the region, okay, endured hardships together. Sometime later, Paul said to Barnabas, let's go back and visit all the brothers in all the towns where we preach the word of the Lord and see how they are doing. Barnabas, however, wanted to take John, also called Mark, with them. But Paul did not think it wise to take him because he John Mark had deserted them in Pamphylia and had not continued with them in the work. They had such a sharp disagreement that they parted company. In the Greek, it says they were torn asunder. They were pushed in opposite directions of each other. So Barnabas took Mark and sailed for Cyprus. But Paul chose Silas and left the company commended by the brothers to the grace of the Lord. He went through Syria and Caesarea, strengthening the churches. These were in opposite directions of each other. Their fight and fallout was so great that they actually went in opposite directions, could not work together anymore. And the question is, but who's the bad guy? Father in heaven, we ask that you would speak to us in this moment. Lord, I ask that you would shut my mouth and let only your voice be heard. I ask that you would speak to the one who has come today desperately needing to hear your voice spoken to them. Lord, let them know that in you they have all they need. This is my prayer. Speak to me as you speak through me, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Have you ever been there? Like Paul or Barnabas got into an argument and you knew, you knew without a shadow of a doubt that you were right. Come on, some married people should be saying amen in here. Absolutely, beyond the shadow of a doubt, say, I know I am right. And for me to compromise would be me to compromise and capitulate my faith. I cannot change. They have to change. I've done enough changing. And the disagreement's so strong that it means splitting from the one who had your back, splitting from your partner in ministry or sometimes life. And yet these people who would not budge an inch in their understanding have the audacity to still be at church. And you're asking yourself, Lord, why haven't you proved me right yet? Have you ever been there? I have on more than one occasion. When you're in that situation, when you've been wondering who the bad guy is, first you need to ask, who do you think you are? Where do you fall into this? There are three questions to ask. First, are you a Paul? Second, are you a Barnabas? And finally, maybe you're a John Mark. First, have you considered that maybe you're a Paul? Paul had left everything to tell the people of Jesus Christ. 
We have talked about this ad nauseum in the series, but let me just reemphasize. Paul was a big deal in the Jerusalem church, okay? In, in a world where rabbis are like uh, sports teams, you know, superstars, Paul was on the Lakers of the sports, the rabbi world, okay? He was Gamamiel's man, right? He was like, Gamamiel was like Phil Jackson, and Paul was like his Kobe Bryant. Paul, when he became a Christian, had to leave that. He left the support of Jerusalem. He left the support, and by leaving the support of Jerusalem, the fellow Jews, he left the support of his family. He left the support of his uh, city. He left everything, his good name, his job prospects, because when you were cut off from the church, you were cut off from your society. He left everything so that he could preach Jesus. He had been blinded and beaten and stoned for the gospel. And here's the thing. He did not have time for people who were not as committed as he was. Are you a Paul? A type A workaholic perfectionist? Have you sacrificed your time and your treasure and your talents for the work so that everything you do will shine in excellence? That's a good thing. That's a good thing. It can bring glory to God. Excellence brings glory to God. Can I get an amen? Paul had opened up the gospel in the world and helped shape its understanding of justification, sanctification, glorification, grace, and the law, the first and second Adam. Paul had done all these things because he was a perfectionist. He was willing to endure it all so that God be glorified. He forgo forgo marriage. He forgo 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 forwent forsought. I don't know. He didn't do with it. Okay. He went without all these things. Okay. I was you know reading the King James up there. You know, it gets in your mind. He, all the went, went without all of these things so that God could be number one. No house. No family. He said, if Jesus did it, I'm gonna do it. The church needs Pauls. Can I get an amen? The church is blessed by them because they lead the church, they teach the church, they evangelize to the church, they take good ideas and turn them into realities. I can't tell you how many boards and uh, committees I've been on where we spend hours, hours of wasted time talking about all the good ideas that everybody wants to have and nothing gets done. It takes a Paul to get stuff done. You put one Paul in those committees, and stuff gets done. Cities are built. Churches are built. Pauls are necessary. Why don't we all take a minute to say, thank God for the Pauls that are in our churches. Say amen. amen. Say amen for my wife, because she's a Paul. She gets stuff done. She knows that. Amen. But... There's another side of Paul's. Paul's can also burn people out. Not my wife. She's a different kind of Paul. She's awesome. They have no time for those who cannot keep up with them. And they can bully those who see things differently and end up hurting their walk. Like Paul, the actual Paul, people who are like Paul have absolutely no chill. You see, there was a reason that everybody wanted to kill Paul within an hour of him being in their city. Jesus Christ preached the gospel and good news for three years before they tried to kill him. 
Three years. And the only reason they tried to kill him because he was going to take their power away. Paul's in there for like one hour and people are looking for stones. Paul was, <laughs> Paul reminded me of a good family friend I have. We went to a funeral of an uncle who had died from a stroke. And while we were at the funeral, uh, you know, they had the funeral and everybody was sobbing and everything. And then afterwards, has this local style, we had a huge uh, food, you know, a meal afterwards, right? A big uh, buffet with everything and, you know, local style. You had your local food and everything. And so we're all sitting there and everybody comes to the table with their plates filled up with, you know, the luau and the lomi lomi and, you know, the, it wasn't an Adventist funeral, so you had some kalua pig and stuff, all this stuff. And they sit down at the table and they're about to eat. And my buddy comes over and says, hey, you know uncle who died? Yeah, he died because he ate that food all the time. Everybody's like, he's all, that's right. Same thing going to happen to you if you keep it up. He says this in a funeral to peoples. Now, 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 now. He wasn't wrong. He wasn't wrong. But he wasn't right either, was he? You see, Paul's have no chill for anybody who does not see and think the way they do because they know that they're absolutely right. But here's the thing I've learned about God and the Bible. God has a lot of patience and grace and mercy for all types of people. He made Adam and Eve together, one wife for one husband. But yet almost all of the people who followed him in the Old Testament had multiple wives. Why? Because God knew that they weren't ready for certain things. The Bible actually says that God winked at their ignorance. He winked at them in times they weren't quite doing with everything, the perfect level. Okay? Why did God allow people to live and not be perfect? Because Jesus Christ is going to come and do it for them. His blood was going to cover them. Now, does that mean we don't strive for something? Strive for excellence? Of course not. Of course not. Do you guys love the praise team? You love coming to church every week and hearing praise? If you do, let me hear you say amen. That only happens because they strive for excellence. They're here late Friday nights practicing and practicing and practicing, trying to get it right so that God be glorified. Pauls are necessary. But if you're Paul, just remember, sometimes, sometimes, mercy is part of the process. 2 Corinthians 8, 7 says this. But as you excel in everything, okay, as you come to God, I expect you to excel. I expect you to do great things. As you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, you know, those are Paul's. These are Paul things, you know. My faith is greater than everybody's. You know, didn't you love that thing about Paul, by the way? He was always humble bragging, you know. He's like, yes, we're all sinners, of which I am the chief of sinners, you know, I have given up all things so that I may gain Christ. If I want to keep all things, well, I was pretty awesome. I was the Jew of Jews. I've suffered in Pergamon. I've had been stoned. I've all this stuff has happened to me, but yet all for Christ. Now, this is Paul. You know, I excel, and you think you're suffering? Let me tell you about my suffering. In knowledge, in all earnestness, it says, and in our love for you, see that you excel in this love, this act of grace also. As you seek to be excellent, Paul's, remember grace is part of excellence. Love and mercy are parts of excellence. Second point. 
second point. Are you a Barnabas? As he said earlier, Barnabas is one of the first Christians, the son of encouragement. Here's the thing a lot of you might not know about Barnabas. Not only did he vouch for Paul, not only did he go to him and say, the, the brothers say, hey, Paul's with me, okay? I've got his back. But, but when Paul had gone back to Tarshish, it was just basically working in Tarshish, just preaching in his local synagogue and stuff. It was Barnabas who sought Paul out and say, let's go to the other churches and tell them about Jesus. Let's go to some of the other cities around this region and tell them about Jesus. Barnabas supported Paul every step of the way. I dare say we might not have a Paul today if not for a Barnabas. Barnabas was there. Paul would go into the city, and he'd be like, you know, I, I can only imagine them walking in, and Barnabas is like, all right, Paul, now remember, we'll start in slow. We'll start in, in like, talking about the grace of Jesus Christ, and, you know, uh, you know, after a couple weeks, we can wrap up to it, and Paul's all, yeah, yeah, we could do that, or watch this. Hey, all you people who want to get circumcised, cut the whole thing off. And Barnabas is just like, Hey, you want some bread? You want some water? God, God bless you. God bless you. God. You know, soothing it over for them. You notice it wasn't Barnabas in these towns that got stoned and stuff, right? It was Paul. Barnabas was always, hey, no, dude, he, he, he just, you know, he speaks big, but, you know, he's a good guy. Just chill with him. Barnabas lived a life of grace and mercy, and it blew his mind. He could not understand why Paul couldn't do the same for John Mark. You almost can imagine the argument they're having. Paul's like, no, he, uh, he failed the test. He can't come with us. He was, um, you know, abandoned us when we needed him most. And he's like, dude, you, you tried to murder Christians. And we gave you a second chance. He's like, no, nah, I, I had Jesus. Yeah, but once I had Jesus, I was straight and narrow. Barnabas couldn't get it. Couldn't get it. Are you a Barnabas? Are you a person of encouragement? Open-hearted? Have you put your reputation on the line to give second and third and fourth and fifteenth chances to people who need to know that Jesus loves them? If you are, thank you. Thank you. Barnabas gave fellowship and encouragement to two of the most impactful figures in Christianity. The first was Paul, and we're about to talk about the second. He made a safe space for them to grow in their ministries, and he let them shine. He let them shine so he could support them and uplift them from the background. Okay? For every speaker or music leader, you see up front, and you're like, oh, wow, they're amazing. I'm going to tell you, we wouldn't be here if not for Barnabases behind us supporting us from the background. If you are enjoying this online today, there is a Barnabas sitting at a desk back there making sure that you can see the stream. Barnabases are necessary in the church. Can I get an amen for our Barnabases? But... Where Paul condemned people who thought and acted differently than him, Barnabases tend to have a problem with people who feel differently than they do. They get frustrated when others won't see the gospel in the same way they see it. They can forget that discipline is part of love. You see, if the church 
church were only filled with Barnabases, we'd have a church like Corinth. In Corinth, they had people who were sleeping with their father's wives, okay? The guy came, hey, Dad, I'm going to borrow your wife for a couple hours. And the church was like, well, that's cool. We love you. You love us. Everything's good. This is Barnabases. Too far. They don't want to ever hurt anyone's feelings, and so they go so far to make sure that nobody's feelings ever get hurt that the Word of God is sullied. Sometimes God hurts our feelings, and it's a good thing. Sometimes we need to hold people accountable to the power that God has given them to change, and it's a good thing. And it's often the Barnabases who hold people back from doing the necessary changes they need to have in their lives. Listen, nobody change, uh, the Bible says, uh, no disip- nobody loves discipline, okay? No discipline is pleasant at the time, but it is beneficial for the growing of the body, okay? There are times where some discipline needs to happen. If I just lived with my mom all the time, I would be insufferable, well, more so than I am now. You know, they'd be like, hi, Mommy, this is a cat. I'm drawing a picture of a cow. She's like, that's the most beautiful cat you've ever seen. I needed my Paul dad to come along and say, no, son, that's a cow. What's wrong with you? Boy ain't right. Otherwise, I'd be 48 years old saying, the cow goes meow. That applies to the Christian faith as well. God saved us where we're at. God accepts us where we're at. But he wants us, he expects us, he gives us the power to grow from where we're at in him. And oftentimes, Barabbas don't allow that to happen. They can also demonize those who are doing the hard work of discernment. Barnabas wouldn't compromise. He absolutely wouldn't compromise. He was so sure he was right to take John Mark, that John Mark deserved a second chance. He was so sure he was right, he could not see Paul's side. Here's the thing, though. He was right. But so was Paul. But so was Paul. Just because you have a difference of opinion from someone else, just because you are convinced that your way is absolutely the gospel honest right way, and it might be, doesn't mean you're the only one. Doesn't mean somebody who has a differing idea than you can't also be correct. We live in a world today that vilifies people who are different than us. Vilifies people who think and act and feel different than us. That's not the Christian way. That's not the Christian way. We are called to love who? Everyone? Well, Jesse, say everyone, but do you mean everyone? How about your um, bosses when they won't give you time off and they're stealing from you? Love them too? How about our spouses when they are being frustrating and they won't listen? And they are absolutely, for the thousandth time you said, the toilet paper goes this way, and they put it the other way, and clearly wrong. Love them too? How about our exes, who've stolen from us and lied about us and destroyed our reputation? 
You see, God cares less about who's right than who's in him. Barnabas sometimes forget that. So do Paul's. Someone here needs to understand, needs to hear in their hearts today, not everybody has to see it the same way you do. Doesn't make them right, doesn't make you wrong, it just means that God has a different work for both of you. And that's okay. Just walk in the truth and let them walk in their truth too. Hebrews 10, 24 says this. Hebrews 10, 24. And let us consider how we might spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together. Why did Paul have to say that? Because people want to give up meeting with people who are different than them. We're vegetarians. Uh, they eat dairy. Well, that's not right. You know what they said about dairy. Just, just meet together. It's okay. It's literally okay. But let us encourage one another on all the more as you see the day approaching. The day approaching is the end of times. Brothers and sisters, does anybody in this place have any doubt that we are living in perilous times? That as we understand the end of time as written by professionals in Revelation, things are being set up to bring in the end. Can you see that? We're living there. I feel I don't have to preach it all the time because it's like right there. CNN is preaching it. Fox News is preaching it in their own twisted ways. We're living in the end times. And what Paul says here is, let us then encourage one another all the more. Not start debating about who's right or who's wrong, who's good, who's bad, who's loving, who's not. Love each other, period. Do I need to say anything else? Love your enemies. Love your kids' teachers. Love your pastors. Love everybody. I remember when Maddie, after games, you know, they won most of their games when they played, and so, you know, but she often got discouraged. And I'd be like, what happened, Maddie? Did you feel you didn't have a good game? She'd play basketball. And she'd be like, no, no, I felt I did okay. I said, what's wrong? She's all, was it the bad calls? So, no, I mean, refs are going to make bad calls. I get it. So, so what's wrong, baby? So, well, you know, here's the thing. When the guys are out there playing, we are out there cheering our hearts out. But when we get out there, not a peep. No encouragement, no nothing. And, Dad, it just kind of sucks. Sorry I said sucks. I won't say it again. It really sucks. I said, baby, that's okay. You know, I, I'm sorry. If I, I was cheering for you. She's like, yeah, I know, but you're my dad. I find that oftentimes the people who are struggling the most, they're not struggling so much because of the situation. They're struggling because of a lack of encouragement. So I call you today. Barnabases, thank you for what you do. Keep encouraging us. Keep supporting us. Keep letting us know we're doing a good job. And let me tell you right here today, you are doing amazing jobs, Barnabases. Thank you so much. Finally, finally. Last point is not, are you a John Mark? But the last part is, you are a John Mark. You see, John Mark, 
had started with, with the knowledge of Jesus Christ and knowledge of his power. It was his mother's house that Peter came to after he was released from prison, okay? That was John Mark's house, okay? His servant girl, Rhoda, was the one who, like, left Peter standing at the door. He had heard about the miraculous things happening over and over again, and at a young age, he says, I want to be part of that. And so Paul comes in, and Paul knows his family, and he's like, well, I guess you can come with us. It was Barnabas's, by the way, Barnabas's either nephew or cousin, we're not quite sure, but a close family friend of Barnabas, or family member Barnabas. And Barnabas says, hey, I like this guy. Remember, Barnabas loves to vouch for people, encourage them. Let's take him with us. And Paul's like, yeah, sure, why not? Let's go. And they go to one town, and Paul's almost killed. They go to the next town, and Paul has to escape with a basket. They go to another town, and Paul gets stoned. And John Mark's all like, oh, guys, I'm going home. I didn't sign up for this. I literally, everywhere we go, people are trying to kill us. I know people who leave the house because they're afraid of getting COVID. John Mark was actually seeing people in his company being stoned to death. So he goes home. And when he wants to come back, when he says, hey, you know what? I, I, I see what I did. I, I, I fell, but I'm ready to stand back up again. I'm ready to get there. Now the superstar of the Christian church by this point, Paul of Tarshish. No longer do they call him Saul. They call him Paul because he has arrived. Looks at him and says, you're not worthy. You done messed up, John Mark. You're not worthy. Sorry. Bye-bye now. Can you imagine how defeating that must have been to him? I know I'm not the only one who's been there before. Felt, felt called to preach the gospel. Like, like, like I, I can do this for God and have whispers coming, you're not worthy. Who do you think you are? You're just a punk kid. Do you remember what you did back then? How your past was? Do you remember? Do you know the things you did when no one was looking? The thoughts you have in your mind about people who cut in front of you. That's not good. Who do you think you are? The anxiety and the fear and everything can be crippling. We've all been there. I don't even have to ask you. And then when we get to the place where we're like, okay, I'm ready to serve, we have Paul's on one side and Barnabas is on the other side, each tugging at us, telling us that you need to follow them. We need to do what they're saying. My call to you today is this. Don't listen to either. The Paul's telling you you're not worthy, definitely don't listen to them. To the Barnabas's telling you you're perfect in every single way, don't listen to them either. Listen to the third voice, the voice that is the voice of God, speaking your name, calling you his. God has said, I have called you by name, John, Jason, and Mandy, Mary. I've called you by name, Stephanie, you. You, Isaac. You, Sophia. Those two. Called you by name. And you are mine. I've got a plan for you bigger than your fears, bigger than your fall, bigger than 
what anybody, bigger than even the Barnabases have for you. They see a height that, oh, you can be a gospel messenger. That's great. But I've got a greater plan for you. And because, because John Mark was willing to listen to the third voice, willing to listen to God saying, I've got more for you. You are not fallen. You are not not worthy. You are mine. He took that gospel, he took that grace, and he built it up, and he preached Jesus in everything he did. And when it got to the point where he was like, listen, I'm not, I'm only one man. I can't get everywhere to tell everyone I want to tell about Jesus. I, there's not enough time, there's not enough technology, I can't get there. You know what he did? He called his uncle Peter and said, tell me again, tell me again about what Jesus did about the story of Jesus. I know he's a God of grace and of love and of mercy and of power, but I want to hear the details. And he wrote those details down, and his testimony about Jesus Christ became the first gospel the world had ever seen. We know it as the gospel of Mark. And even more so, that gospel spawned other gospels. Other people say, I want to tell about Jesus too. And do you know that Matthew and Luke are both based, have foundational bases on the gospel of Mark? They look at the gospel of Mark and say, oh, oh we're going to follow this structure and we're going to build off of it. That's from a guy who was told he wasn't worthy by Paul. Repeat after me. I am worthy in Jesus. I am worthy in Jesus. You've said it. Now I invite you to live it. To live it. John Mark could have focused on how he broke up Paul and Barnabas. Instead, instead, he understood that God used him to help spread the good news in far more places. He realized that God had made a special place for him in the world. A place of second chances. Brothers and sisters, if there's anybody out there who's been looking for a place of second chances today, I've got good news for you. I've got gospel for you. You are sitting in the house of second chances. This is the house of God. Proverbs 24, one of my favorite texts. I overuse it. I know. I don't care. I'm the pastor. I can do it. Proverbs 24, 16 says this. For though the righteous man, person, woman, righteous, fall seven times, and we've gone over it again, seven is the number of perfection, okay? So the righteous man is perfectly fallen, completely fallen. He rises again. How does he rise again? He rises in the power of Jesus Christ. It's not the fall that determines your call. It's Jesus. And he has called you, each and every one of you, to a greater purpose than you could ever imagine. Start living your purpose today. Can I get an amen? As Sophia brings her daddy up here to sing our final closing song, our, 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 our reflection song, I want you to think about a few things today. If you're Paul, think about how you can show some mercy to people in your life who quite aren't up with you. If you're Paul, remember that the God in the Bible doesn't pick the perfect, he picks the broken, and he works with them. If you're Barnabas, 
Here, Barnabas, try and remember that just because somebody isn't as nice as you doesn't mean they don't know Jesus. That sometimes discipline is needed in the church. And because you're a John Mark, remember, God has a plan for you, not despite you're falling away, but sometimes because of your falling away, he's going to use you in a mighty purpose. Give us eternity just so we could be together. Lord, let us be reminded that disagreements don't have to break us up, but they actually increase and deepen the power of your church. Bless us. Thank you for blessing us, we pray. Thank you for loving us. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Sophia, you outdid yourself. Thank you. I have a few announcements for you.